You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. City Church Downtown, so good to be back with you guys. Shout out to my party animals behind the barn doors. I sat in the back in college, so I know what goes on back there. Uh, it's, I can't believe I've, I haven't been with you guys for a little bit over a year, and I just want to personally tell you guys it's not you, it's me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about this series. I want to give you a little backstory, some, uh, tell you a little bit about the inspiration to this series. So uh, it was a couple of years ago, I was in a seminary class, and we had to unpack a certain portion of the scriptures that I normally would just gloss over. And having to pick it apart, it started to open up my eyes to the richness of it. And I'm like, why aren't we talking more about this stuff? And it was so rich that I spent uh, a year and a half more after I had completed that class in that portion of the scriptures, and it started to transform my own life. People noticed uh, certain things about me. Uh, They were making some affirmations, and I got appointed to a leadership role at our Bandera Road campus, and I was like, man, this is so rich. I need to talk about this to some folks, and so that is the heart, that is the passion behind this major keys series. And now with this major key series, being that it's in the summer, it's hot outside, we wanted to do something a little bit different, just have a little bit of fun, okay? So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to do our best to have some fun with y'all. And so with that in mind, I need you to get out your keys right now, okay? And we're going to practice something. So when I say major keys in my talk, I need you guys to get your keys out and jingle them, all right? So here we go. Here's a practice time. Major keys. All right, a couple of the party animals are still asleep. You're going to have to wake them up, all right? So, all right, so let's pray, and then we will begin. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your word uh, that you have given us, that we can learn from. Uh, we thank you for its richness. And so with that, God, we just pray that you would open up our eyes to the richness of it, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive what you have to say. God, we are waiting with great anticipation and expectation to get a word from you, to get a picture from you. And so speak to us. And we pray all of this in Jesus's name. Amen. Well, this is my father. He grew up in Hong Kong in poverty and without his mother as she passed away during his infancy. When he was 10 years old, he moved over to the United States. And even though he didn't speak a lick of English then, he eventually surpassed his classmates and he graduated first in his high school class. He then moved on to serve 22 honorable years in the United States Air Force. And this year, he and my mom celebrated 40 years of marriage. Now, my teenage self would be pained by this admission, but my dad is a wealth of experience, a wealth of knowledge. It's hard for me now to argue that he knows a thing or two about the keys to living a better life. And fortunately for my siblings and me, he's only ever wanted to pass on those keys to us. For example, my dad taught me a key. He taught me that Uh, And if I wanted to drive safely, the very first thing that I needed to do when I got in my car was put on my what? My air conditioner. Because (laughs) driving in the heat, very distracting, it's not safe at all. And then he taught me, son, never, ever speed more than nine miles over the speed limit. Because cops, they won't pull you over for anything less than that. Well, he's my personal Mr. Miyagi, I would say. And... uh, 
by my teenage years, you know, those teachings that I now appreciated, man, they were just a huge, huge annoyance. Uh, there was one time I was going on a road trip on unfamiliar highways, and my dad did for me what he had always done. He took me through a checklist of all of these questions. Son, did you check your tire pressure? Yes. Did you put air in your tire? Yeah, when I checked my pressure. What about your oil? Did you get it changed? Like, for the love of God, Dad, please, I got this. It's okay. Well, he then warned me. All right, so here we go. Major key alert. He then warned me. He said, son, I need you to listen carefully. Before exit 14, I need you to get over all the way to the far right lane. There's always congestion at exit 14, and the cars in the fast lane don't slow down in time, and so there's always an accident. And rolling my eyes, I said, Dad, I'm not an idiot. I got this, man. I jumped into his car, cranked up some rap music, and I just sped off in frustration. And one hour into my trip, as I'm grooving, I'm jamming out, I got into a car accident, and when I looked up, this is what I saw. Exit 14. I mean, that day, my relationship with my dad, it changed for the better, but that's not the point. The point is, all I wanted was just a little bit of trust and a little bit of respect, right? For once in my life, I wanted to feel like I was intelligent and not some incompetent kid. I wanted to be seen as independent and capable and responsible, and this desire, it drove me. It was my heart's desire to make sure that he and everyone knew this about me, that, hey, I too got the keys. I got this. And why wouldn't I want everyone to know that? I mean, if we're honest, and even if you're not, this is still true, to be regarded as independent and responsible is something that we all desire. You know, like me as a teenager, we want our loved ones to trust that we are competent. We want our friends to know that our advice is, in fact, reliable. We enjoy being the one that the teacher calls on in class, and we take pleasure in being the go-to guy on our team. I mean, it feels amazing to be right. And it feels even better to be the guy with all of the answers. And you know what? Ain't nothing wrong with wanting any of that. Ain't nothing wrong with wanting to be the guy who's got the keys that people turn to. And in fact, if you don't want that, you're probably the exception. And here's why. You see, every single one of our bodies is biologically programmed to crave being the guy or the gal. See, flowing through our bodies is this chemical called serotonin, and serotonin is responsible for the feeling we get when others admire us and when they respect us. It's why we enjoy getting so many likes on Facebook and so many followers on Instagram. It's the thrill we experience when we get recognized with an award. It's why graduates can't stop smiling when they walk across a stage to receive their diploma, and it's the sense of pride we get whenever we cross a finish line or we get hoisted on our teammates' shoulders. See, serotonin, it drives us to make sure others know I'm the guy. I got the keys. But here's the problem. This inherent drive to be seen as the guy, well, it makes it easy for us to take on too much work and to tell our coworkers, hey, I'll just do this. I got this. This drive, it makes it easy for us to devalue our classmates that are struggling with an assignment and say, hey, move over. I got this. It makes it easy for us to reject new and valuable information from younger people and say, hey, you know what, kid? 
I've always done it this way. I got this. And this desire to be seen as the guy is the little devil on our shoulder that whispers, withhold information from others so they continue to rely on only you because only you got this. And ultimately, what happens is we burn out or we grow bitter because we believe we're the only ones who are doing a significant work. We become someone that our friends or our children despise because they're never right and their ideas are never good enough. We become the know-it-all that our spouses resent and can't stand to be around. And when you've always got this, instead of being the guy, you're the guy that everyone at the office gripes about. And ironically, the influence, the trust, and the respect that you so desperately crave is far out of reach. And I'm telling you, because I've lived this, I don't want you guys to experience that kind of life, an exit 14 kind of life. We were created to experience something so much more, to live a life of honor and respect. And so what should we instead do? If our desire to be the guy betrays us, how could we gain the honor and the respect that we all crave and still experience the blessed up life? Well, we discover how from the story of a man who is regarded as having riches and honor and having no equal. Well, around 970 B.C., Israel's wildly popular king died, leaving his throne available for the taking. And no sooner than that king's last breath, his family started to jockey for position. I mean, who wouldn't want to be the most powerful person in the world in that day? Now, the one who actually assumed the throne was the most unlikely heir. It was somebody that nobody saw coming. It was the king's 17th son, who was conceived from a former mistress, Solomon was anointed Israel's next king. Now, Solomon was given the opportunity of a lifetime. It's one that few will ever have and most will only ever dream of. He was now the guy that the entire nation would turn to for answers. Kingship was finally his chance to prove to his brothers that he wasn't an illegitimate child and to gain their respect. It was his opportunity to prove before his subjects that he got the keys too and to show the world that he got this. And guess what? He eventually did just that. His fame was known all throughout the world. Rulers, kings from surrounding nations came to learn from him, to be counseled by him. His people lived in abundance. They loved him and they respected him. There was no shortage of honor and respect or serotonin in a young Solomon. I mean, he was living the blessed up life that we all want. And so what was his key to living this blessed up life? Solomon did something few of us in his position would ever even think to do. He took an un unconventional approach to being the guy, and instead of saying, I got this, move over, people, he prayed. And listen to what he prayed. He said, God, you have made your king, or you have made your servant king in place of my father David. I am but a child, though. I do not know how to go out or come in, which in his day was a military term for lead. I don't know how to lead. Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. Solomon was young. He was so young, even he considered himself a child, a rookie. And according to Jewish tradition, he was in his early teens, a rookie that could barely even wipe his own butt. And so it's no wonder that he felt unprepared to lead and 
unfit to make decisions that would affect an entire kingdom for countless people. And on top of that, Solomon's father wasn't just an ordinary king. His father was the great King David. He was a warrior that was notorious for eliminating tens of thousands of Israel's sworn enemies. He was a high caliber leader that was beloved by the entire nation. I mean, it's because of his dad, King David, that the kingdom was well organized, incredibly prosperous, and at peace. And so Solomon knew that he had some huge, huge shoes to fill, and being the guy, well, it really wasn't as glorious as it may have seemed. Now, while most teenagers spend their summers at the pool or maybe watching Netflix, hanging out at the mall, this teenager, he would be under the constant microscope of public opinion. I mean, every decision that a young Solomon would make going forward would affect the livelihood of his entire kingdom. Now, can you imagine the immense pressure that he must have felt? With the weight of the world on his shoulders, this rookie king pleaded with God, listened to his unusual request. He said, so God, so give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. Now, the original text of scriptures, all right, so the Old Testament of the Bible is written in Hebrew, and the terms from which we translate understanding heart are the Hebrew words lev and shemeah. Now, Lave is the intellect, right? It is the seat of which all of your emotions are, all of your desires are. We would liken it to the mind. And Shemaiah is basically to cautiously and carefully give examination to, to pay special attention to something. And so when you couple these things together, Lave and Shemaiah, they paint an image, right? A word picture of what someone whose mindset is similar to what one of the 50 greatest thinkers in the world named Liz Wiseman describes as the perpetual rookie. So unlike the guy who says, I got this, right? This perpetual rookie goes against the natural human tendency. Instead of saying, I got this, he instead deliberately chooses to learn in and from every single situation. She is fueled by an insatiable curiosity and is completely open to brand new ideas. Now, this perpetual rookie, the understanding heart mindset, it regularly asks mentors for guidance and for feedback. She devotes herself to patiently listen and to empathize before making any sort of judgments or conclusions. And ultimately, this perpetual rookie recognizes that he or she is not God, does not have all of the answers. And it's this very mindset, this understanding heart approach to life that Solomon requested from God. So instead of always wanting to be right, what he cared about what was, determ was determining what was actually true and lasting. Instead of wanting to be seen as competent or confident, he cared more to approach life with a vulnerability and a transparency to find the best solutions possible. In other words, Solomon humbled himself, and he asked God to help him acquire wisdom. Tell the person next to you, acquire wisdom. But why? I mean, why in the world would Solomon have made such an absurd request? I mean, let's be real here, okay? So asking God for mere wisdom seems like a wasted opportunity. Now think about this, all right? God agreed to give Solomon anything he desired. 
And so Solomon could have asked for like some sweet superpowers, right? Invisibility or the ability to fly. He could have asked for this immense amount of wealth or immunity to diseases, a long life, or he could have asked God to off the heads of all of his enemies. He could have even asked God to give him the hottest wife or wives in human history. Anything that solidified his reputation as the guy who got the keys. And so what was it about wisdom that led Solomon to forego any of those other requests? Well, in some of his later writings called Proverbs, we gain insight. So listen to what Solomon wrote. He said, my father taught me and said to me, acquire what? Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forsake wisdom and she will guard you. Love wisdom and she will watch over you. Prize her, she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. Wisdom will present you with a crown of beauty. People will honor you, they will respect you, they will be attracted to you. And according to Solomon's father, acquiring wisdom is the major key to living a blessed up life. Now, while many of us disregard our parents' advice, Solomon accepted his father's advice as truth. I mean, he had every reason to take it at face value and to trust that it was reliable because he saw for himself firsthand his father's success as a perpetual rookie that depended on God. He observed how his father's understanding heart led to others' deep loyalty to him. He watched in admiration as an entire Jewish nation praised King David for his consistently wise decisions and being privileged to the great wealth that his father amassed. There was no denying for Solomon that if he wanted to live the blessed up life, he had to acquire wisdom. In fact, Solomon knew he'd be foolish not to. In that 50 greatest thinker, Liz Wiseman, she would say the same is absolutely true for us today. So in the book, Rookie Smarts, she details how she amassed this, she assembled a research team, and for two years, what they did is they scoured through existing research, existing literature, and they conducted all of these in-depth interviews, they surveyed hundreds of high-performing individuals, and they analyzed hundreds of relational scenarios, and what her research revealed was that The greatest success does not lie with the experts or the most experienced. Success does not lie with those who strive to be the guy, the know-it-alls who've got this. No, see, the individuals who were the strongest performers, the best problem solvers, those who were more engaged with life, those who lived more vibrant lives, those who were more reliable at delivering timely solutions, They were the perpetual rookies, those who lived life and approached it with an understanding heart. Those who rally and cry is what she says is to seek learning. This is an actual picture from her book, and it sounds a lot like what Solomon wrote down for us 3,000 years ago to acquire wisdom. And so, major key alert, here we go, get it out. And so if you want respect and trust, you've got to be a perpetual rookie and acquire wisdom wisdom. If you want to be seen as capable and responsible, be a perpetual rookie and acquire wisdom. 
If you want your friends and your coworkers to accept your word as reliable, if you want to make work and life less boring and more fulfilling, if you want to live the blessed up life, let your rallying cry be, acquire wisdom. Tell the person next to you, acquire wisdom. Now, practically, what does this mean for us? I mean, how do you and I go about acquiring wisdom? Where do we begin? Well, Solomon explained how, and echoing one of his father's prayers, he wrote this. He said, the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where it starts. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, we begin to acquire wisdom when we recognize that we are not God, that we don't know it all, we don't always have the answers, and we begin to acquire wisdom when we start to reverence that his ways are higher than our ways, and that he has already provided for us what we need to know, the keys to a blessed up life in his holy scriptures. And so here's what I want us to do. I want you to commit to approaching life in this manner, to be a learner, to be a perpetual rookie whose life motto is acquire wisdom. Be comfortable not having all the answers all the time, students and parents. Be comfortable being wrong and making mistakes. Decide to live your life asking questions, asking them of others and ask them of God. You know, seek a new perspective from his word and a way to demonstrate a reverence that his ways are higher than our ways. Live out what the scriptures teach. So here's where you can start. Solomon recorded his major keys to a blessed up life in the book of Proverbs. And it's typically uh, in your traditional Bibles located right about midway. So almost split 50-50 if you're unfamiliar with it. And there is a section of Proverbs for every single day of the month. There's 31 different sections. And so every morning, I want you to start your day reading through one of those sections that corresponds today. So just as a tribe of perfect, perpetual rookies um, doing that. So for example, today is July the 2nd. And as I was eating my breakfast, I read all of Proverbs 2, the section, the second section. Tomorrow's July the 3rd. So before I go into work, I'll read Proverbs 3. And I challenge you to do this every single day during the course of this series or during the course of July. And look, all right, so according to Wiseman's research, all right, even if you don't believe in God, you've got nothing to lose. And based on what happened to a young Solomon, you have everything to gain. You see, Solomon's approach to life, his mindset to acquire wisdom, the scriptures say, was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And so what God said to him was this, because you have asked this thing to live your life in this manner, revering me, I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will be no one like you all of your days. It's hard for God not to honor and bless us when we revere him, which ultimately brings him honor. And so in the same way that God honored a young Solomon's mindset and approach to life, he will honor you. So what would happen if our city church downtown, all 900 of us, 
What would happen if we committed to be a tribe of perpetual rookies that lived with an understanding heart and sought to acquire wisdom? Now, I believe God would show up in our lives in ways we've never even imagined. I believe our jobs would be more fulfilling. Our relationships would be more engaging. I believe our children would respect us and would want to hang around us. I believe that we would pave the way for our city youth to love learning and to make world-changing discoveries. I believe we'd model for our city what a vibrant community looks like, and everyone would be attracted to it. City Church downtown would be the epicenter for social innovation and for cultural inclusion. I believe our city would look to us to find out new approaches to eliminating hunger and homelessness and human trafficking. I believe you will be honored. You will be exalted. You will hold the keys to a blessed up life, and there will be no one like you all the days of your life. And so let us commit to being a tribe of people that will be perpetual rookies with an understanding heart that seek to acquire wisdom. So right now, what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And we're going to pray a prayer similar to what a young Solomon prayed. Really just asking God to help us live with this approach to life, live with this mindset and that he would just continue to impart to us his ways, which are higher than ours. So, Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful that you have given us your word, your word to learn from. God, we acknowledge right now that we're not God, that your ways are higher than our ways. And so we seek to acquire your wisdom. God, in the same way that Solomon prayed to have an understanding heart, that is our desire. Our desire is that we would not live our lives as knowers who got this, but who are perpetual rookies that are seeking out what it is you have to teach us. And so, Lord, I pray that through all of this, you would be honored. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.